The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Uh, Good. <laughs> weekend has arrived. Uh, we are deep into our time of mourning for the local uh, for the local gang. And the final four are in front of us. Well, good morning, Mike. Yes, we are still in in the morning, in a period of mourning. Uh, but I am looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to both series. So, yeah, the, it, it, I think that my excitement for what's to come will over will overshadow. No, that doesn't make sense. Will shadow the period of mourning. So. That's fair. Um, let's dive right into the NHL awards. Um, they're going to start being handed out fairly quickly. And there were a couple that we talked about earlier in the season, uh, particularly the Jack Adams. Um, we mentioned that a few times. Yeah. Because uh, rumor has it, we might have had opinions on it. We wouldn't do that, would we? Uh, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't. You probably did, but uh, it uh, definitely well, wasn't me. Okay. So the Jack Adams Award is uh, it has been announced. I don't remember what day it was. Oh, there it is. Thursday, June 17th. Is that when they're handing out the award? Um, they are supposedly giving uh, announcing the awards starting tomorrow, Monday. Um and that's what makes this. Uh, so so that's no, no that's the day it's going to be announced. There's not going to be an awards show this year. Uh, I honestly kind of wonder if I know that logistics wise, it would be a complete and utter nightmare. Um, I'm thinking that this might have something to do with the um, the Scotia health concern, the Scotia North and their ability to either cross into I mean I had heard that they were waiving they were waiving the quarantining so that they could play uh, so that families and whatnot could, yes and you know. Quebec still has and Montreal in particular still have some of the strictest lockdown uh in North America which makes this it makes the way the awards are being done less surprising it's the way they did it last year though they're, they're they didn't have a show last year either that doesn't mean it's good for the league no i'm not saying it is i'm just saying that it sounds to me like they are sticking with this until they can get everybody together in a building again and not have to deal with quarantining and because we've got 100 percent capacity in our state yes not all states have the same, and Canada is still being Canada. Yeah, and I mean vaccination rate here in Massachusetts is higher than pretty much anywhere else in the country. Um, not that we're going to turn this into a political stage, no. but that does make it a little bit easier. Um, so Jack but, Adams Award. Back to our theoretical point. Seventeenth, um, they're going to announce. Yep. Uh, when we talked about this, when was it? Uh, it would have been uh, a bit ago. We had mentioned it was about it. the midway point of the season. 
Yeah, it would have been a while ago, and I'm sure that we both picked at least one of the names that appears on this list, if I'm not mistaken. It, it might have actually been two of the names. Uh, I think that Rod Brindamore is the only name that definitely didn't appear on uh, on one of our show on one of our lists, mm-hmm. and that's not as a slight to Brindamore. It's just that given what the other two were doing, um, it almost didn't matter who agreed. And if you run through the three names that we've actually got for nominees, we've got Brindamore, we've got Joel Quenville mm-hmm. and we've got Minnesota's Dean Evison who took over middle of last year or beginning of this season. I don't remember which I know that they I believe had, it was middle of last year. Yeah. Cause they had fired Bruce Boudreaux. That's what it was. And Minnesota this season has or had a pretty decent season. So I I can't argue with that nomination. I mean, Minnesota, by all projections, is at least a year or two ahead uh, in making it to the playoffs at all. Um, And that's that's partially due to Billy Guerin's maneuvers as well, so. Oh, uh, no doubt about that. But I mean, we're talking and I can't find I can't find our notes on February uh, 21st. Uh, February 21st, we talked Jack Adams Award and the three names that we threw out at the time. Actually, four. We had. uh, Well, I threw out the fourth one because I thought Todd McClellan at the time L.A. was having a decent season. Yep. Uh, and then they kind of fell off the wayside. Uh, we had Claude Julian mm-hmm. in third. We had Jeremy Colleton of Chicago in second. At the time, they were actually a playoff team. Yes. And, oh, look at that. Number one, Joel Quenville. <laughs> because he finally, finally, finally returned the Panthers to the playoffs. Yes. But, at the, I mean, the way they were playing and the way they played – pretty much the whole season. And obviously that was February 21st. That was long before um, the injury to Aaron Eckblad. And, and and I think that the injury to Eckblad just points, uh, makes the point even clearer. And it probably is Quenville's award this year. That's yeah. And, and that's what we were saying at that time, uh, four months ago, almost four months ago, three and a half. And uh, is that it was Quenville's to lose and the other names that we threw out there were all fighting for second place. And th- I mean, let's I mean, even if you just roll back and look at the look at the standings for the end of the season. It's yeah. you had the Florida Panthers uh, in second by one point. Um, to the. But that's the thing is Carolina, a lot but they of the had season, the most win, most regulation or overtime wins. Right. And a lot of the season, they were actually in first place. Tampa Bay just kind of caught them at the end, I guess you could say. Oh, Carolina, Carolina, I mean, caught Carolina, them. excuse me, Carolina caught them at the end. They Carolina did catch won a little, the division. They did catch a little fire and, and they got a guy in net by the name of Nadelkovic from Ohio that. Uh, it turned out to be pretty good, and he's actually been nominated for an award as well. So, um, I, 
I would like to say that just being in the same division is going to hurt the two of them, but where they're realistically both small markets, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure it does. Uh, actually all three coaches are in small markets this year. I mean, Carolina, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's really quite interesting and quite good for hockey. Um, the fact yes. that there are, that you can get name coaches like Joel Quenville to go play, uh, to go lead a hockey team. That's 30 minutes, 40 minutes outside of Miami. Miami is a great vacation destination. And, uh, I'm told by a couple of friends that it's been a pretty interesting place for startups the last two or three years. But, uh, as far as like major industry or sports in general in the last decade, I can't remember anything useful happening in Miami or the Miami Metro. Uh, Miami Marlins are under 500 baseball team. The Miami Heat, I think, lost the play-in game because they got a new playoff format in yeah. the NBA. Um, and in football, the Miami, well, the University of Miami, but oh, the Miami Dolphins uh, actually are improving. So I guess that's the other thing they have to look forward to. Improving. Yeah, hockey. Hockey can actually take over that market if they continue this upward trend with Quenville as coach. <laughs> I mean, it would be really, really nice to see hockey as a major mark as the sport in a market in a in a market that has all four sports and is really a college sports town. That would that would be a definition of Miami. I mean, yes. Is is it a touristy place? Is it uh, is it a place where the rich and famous go to play? Yeah, it's those things as well. But they've got all four sports. You've got the University of Miami, uh, and in the state of Florida itself, you've got Florida State University. So there's plenty of other sports available. It would be wonderful to have the Panthers emerge. I mean, yes, they've got Tampa Bay. On the other side of the state, three hours yeah. away. It would be nice to have the Panthers emerge again because, yeah, they were pro- – I don't know if prominence the right word, but they were a known quantity back when they started up. They had John Van Beesbrook. They had the whole thing with, with Chris Simon, the rat, and, and, and everybody throwing rats onto the ice, and, ma- and they made the, the, the Stanley Cup final. I, I mean – and then they disappeared for two decades. Really, it's been two. It's been two decades since they were a relevant NHL team, and I don't think that there's many things that can be better for the sport in the next five to ten years than having both Tampa and Florida relevant at the same time. The thing this, is with the- with the changes that they've had in general managers over the years, it, you can and, you, and head coaches, but you can't you can't finger it and say, well, in, like we would in like in Minnesota, where you can say Bill Guerin's done. You know, he's been around just as long as Dean Everson, slightly longer, but he's done. He's got his fingers all over the roster 
that they've got now. He's made the de- he's made some deals. The, you have to point to Quenville in Florida with what he had available to him and being he able the, to he made form- the core that's been there work. Yes. And the core has actually of players has actually been effectively together five, six years. Uh, I mean, the fact that he got them out of the first round or no, the fact that he got them into the playoffs, even after Ekblad went down with a third of the season left. That's huge. That's huge. We've had the emergence of, uh, we've had the emergence of Jonathan Huberdeau. As, I mean, uh, as Huberto a was someone player. they talked about as being the next big thing, maybe not a generational talent, but certainly a superstar. Um, since his draft year or even the year before. But to me, at no point did I watch games and say, oh man, Huberto has taken over the ice every shift he's been on, every shift he's played. This year, that happened. That happened a couple of times. And the thing is, is you stop and look at, for me anyway, and and yeah, it's Quenville's to win. But you look at at Dean Everson in Minnesota, you look at Rod Brindamore, and clearly they're doing something right because their players are scattered throughout these awards. That Alexander, is, Alexander Barkov nominated for a Selkie when uh, doesn't happen under anybody else who's man who's who's coaching the Panthers. No, <sighs> you're getting more out of these players uh, collectively and individually than we've really seen uh, for them from them. Two out of the three rookies of the year are coming from teams that. The head coach is nominated for coach of the year. Uh, you got Spurgeon nominated, still in Minnesota, right? Yep. Jared Spurgeon, he nominated for Lady Bing. Uh, let's see. I mean, you could scroll on. Like I said, these players are scattered throughout. It's like okay, obviously we have the the usual suspects nominated for for the the heart and whatnot, but. Honestly, the least interesting awards to me. But let's run through let's run through the other awards because uh, we've already talked a bit more than okay. I expected to. Okay. Um, so, uh, King Clancy Memorial Trophy, uh, an award for leadership on and off the ice. Um, nominees: Curtis Gabriel, uh, Pecorine, and PK Subban. Um, most interesting thing about all three of these guys, none of them wears a C on their chest. True. Um, so if they're talking about leadership, they're talking about the organic kind uh, that comes from being uh, from being the person who, you know, shows up and shows out. OK, quick question here before we move on. Would yep. you call Patrice Bergeron a leader? Absolutely. Would you have called him a leader when Chara was in the clubhouse? Yes. All right. But Patrice Bergeron didn't wear a C. I, I yes. Um, so I'm, you can be I'm a leader. He honestly hasn't won this award himself. 
it, it may just be the low profile that he keeps uh, yeah. outside the arena. Um, low profile isn't something that PK Subban would understand if you explained <laughs> to him. I don't think that's in his dictionary. Uh, no, just no. Um, <laughs> and no, I was just curious because you said you can be a leader without wearing a C is, I guess, my point. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, none of up, these guys. Next up, Masterton. Yes. I'm a bit surprised that the local guy isn't one of the finalists, but Matt Dumba, uh, Eric Lindblom, and Patrick Marlowe, this is for dedication and perseverance. Uh, Matt Dumba has Matt Dumba. I honestly thought would be a better would have been a better nominee for the King Clancy, but um, I don't actually have a vote. So we're See, not I would have expected. That. You're right. I would have expected Kevin Miller to be here. Um, Oscar Lindblom almost in my book should win this by default. Uh, I mean, he made it through yeah. cancer treatment and back to. Uh, back to at least practicing uh, within a period you can comfortably measure in weeks. It was three and a half months, I think, between his diagnosis, surgery, treatment, and him skating again. It sure helps to be 20, uh, barely over 20 when that's happening, but it's not easy for anyone. Um, I've watched people go through cancer. I've just congratulations to him and his team of uh, doctors and caregivers for for just putting together everything as well as they did. I, yeah, I, I think he rang. I think he rang the bell for his last treatment back uh, just before they started the the pretend offs, as you like to call them. Yeah, I believe he rang. I believe he rang the bell for his final treatment just before then, and then was back on the ice. Uh, during the the summer playoffs, uh, yeah. for him to make it all the way back, yeah, that's just amazing. And yeah, I think this is pretty much his going away. Uh, Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, uh, non hockey non hockey persons or non NHL persons rather. Um, this you should really really look up the nominees and see their stories. Uh, these are exactly the type of people that every community needs and should want um, because they are really giving and trying to, they're trying to be a part of something better, not just, not simply bigger, not simply be in the spotlight, but trying to make their community better in a way that's, Better by a goal and a process rather than a soundbite. Well, we we uh, we've talked about Willie O'Ree throughout the season. I mean, we started back when they originally announced that they were going to retire his number back in January, and we talked about the Willie O'Ree Award and what it meant to just to have these people, their dedication to. Uh, bringing the game of hockey and, and incorporating it into the lives of, of youth and what it's just, yeah, the stories are impressive to say the least. And I think this is one of the most important awards that they give out. 
and those finalists, Renee, ha- uh, Renee Hess, Kevin Hodgson, and Howard Smith. Um, we already talked uh, Jack Adams, Frank Selke Award. Um, there's one complete non-surprise uh, <laughs> in Patrice Bergeron. I was going to say, um, is it? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Mark Stone is the other one. And you, you mentioned Alexander Barkov. Based on stats, this is Bergeron's. This is Bergeron's. Yeah. Based on nominee fatigue, I, I think it might go to someone else again, which would you don't be think wrong. Just give him five and get it over with. I, I, I if they're going strictly off the stats, mm-hmm. it's his. Because one of our followers uh, had a legitimate 15 or 20 stat uh, checklist of reasons why it should go to Patrice Bergeron and no one else. And I wish I still had it uh, somewhere handy because it was literally ridiculous. Uh, He was number one, number two, or number three in like – 15 stats that cover uh, what it is to be a defensive forward. Um, and even if you completely exclude faceoffs because Stone is not a center, um, it's, it's still Bergeron's. Uh, I will say that I do believe that they hosed Brad Marchand on this. Uh, nothing against nothing against Barkov in the season that he had. Mark Stone. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, the tweet is by TJ Trap Jesus, and that's at TJ Trap Jesus one. Okay. Um, it was on May 9th that he tweeted it. And so let's see first in face off second and plus minus. Um, and then there's legitimately 20 other stats in this, in this tweet. Um, it is 11 08 Eastern time on the 13th. Uh, I'm going to retweet this right now. Um, so to make it a little bit easier for y'all to find, um, just go look at it and convince me. Didn't really convince me. Didn't we mention this in one of the in the show at the time? We did. We absolutely did. I was going to say it sounds vaguely familiar, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure which episode we actually used it in. So, <laughs> but yes, I do remember. I do vaguely remember mentioning the the the, the name is what's stuck in my head. The the trap Jesus. Yes. And if you can't find it just by looking in my uh, retweets, um, you can search uh, two man for check uh, the hashtag two man for check and it will uh, it'll be there. I do believe I, I mean, Brad Marchand is and they, they said it many times throughout the playoffs. He's one of the best wingers in, you know, and. and he really it, Brad Marchand for all of the antics that he's best known for is still legitimately one of the most skilled players in the league period. Oh yeah. Um, and not just skilled effective because we've seen guys who were super skilled before who were nearly useless on the ice. 
Um, you know, as much as Michael Ryder gets a free pass for being part of the Stanley Cup uh, championship team, he was a one trick pony. He didn't defend. <laughs> he didn't forecheck. He, he had an amazing release, and that was it. Not for anything. I heard this during. I, I was watching something on NHL Network, and apparently they mentioned it during uh, an old game. Uh, it was an old game, Bruins against the Canadians. And apparently Michael Ryder had played for Claude Julien four That's different correct. times. Yes. Four different teams. I was like, okay, now I know how he ended up on the Bruins. <laughs> yes, which is which is just weird. <laughs> I mean, there's comfort and familiarity. I think one of the things that emerged during uh, those playoffs or or afterwards, I know I've heard it since then, is that Michael Ryder ended up being something of a mentor to Tyler Sagan during Uh that playoff run. Yep. Which, given how soft-spoken, even compared to, like, Patrice Bergeron or some of the other people who never get in front of the microphone if they can avoid it. Uh, he, he was, it was a lot shocking to me because every time he was in front of the cameras, it was, I, uh, yeah, I think we were, uh, we were, we were four checking and, um, uh, I got the puck and it went in the net and that was it. You're leaning into the TV cause you can't hear him. <laughs> So leaning into the TV supposedly makes it louder. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, right, but so I just, yeah, I, I lady Bing award. Don't care. Um, I don't care. <laughs> Jim Gregory award. Gentlemanly play. That's the antithesis of hockey. Antithesis of hockey. Is yes. it not? Isn't That's hockey correct. supposed to be hitting? And Okay. The Jim Next. Gregory General Manager of the Year Award voting is conducted after the second round of the playoffs. So the three finalists will be announced on June 17th. Um, I find that highly amusing. Um, if Don Go. Sweeney is on the short list or even the long list, um, <laughs> everyone should lose their vote. Like Bill literally Gar- everyone. Bill Guerin and everybody else. Uh, yes, everyone should lose their vote. If if. No, no, no. I'm saying is it is this award Bill Guerin and then everybody else? Um, well, I'm trying to think, you know, who might actually end up with it? Oh, Who's probably going to end up there? Please go ahead. You're going to hear you're going to you're going to hear me I'm, say it. I'm uh, yeah, I'm and already. It, and it surprises myself. me. I'm stealing myself. Mark Bergevin. I knew you were going to say that. And then just the thought of considering the, the amount of time we've spent over the last couple of years. And he's been GM for a long time at this point. Yes. It's just amazing how much time we spend giving him crap. And then. Oh, we we have pilloried <laughs> him at least a dozen occasions uh, on this show. Like good five minutes of. There might, have, there might have even been a couple of burned in effigies. <laughs> he he has, been gen, he has been GM since for nine years, one month, and 11 days. Yeah. 
started at age 46. But he, he brought in Anderson. He brought in DeFoley. He got Suzuki. They drafted uh, Kakenyemi. They drafted Kakenyemi, Cole Caulfield. Um, um, he Alexander brought in Tatar, on the back Tifoli. end. Yep. Jack, Jake Evans. Brought in Eric Stahl this year. Eric Stahl. Was he at the deadline? Um, he was, was a little he bit the before the deadline. Okay. Uh, Corey Perry. Corey Perry. I mean, and they're going and to sacrificial the... lamb and wearer of the bloody jersey, uh, Jake Evans. Yep. Uh, Jake Allen, the backup goaltender. Um, uh, who, who who played a part this season when when Carey Price went down? He drafted Caden Primu, who played this year. And they're and they're in the th- and they're going into the semifinals. Yeah. Um, it could it could actually be Mark Bergevin <laughs> after well, all the well, riding we've done. Here first. Hey, he deserved it for a number of years. That team was that team was hot garbage. <laughs> But he fired Claude Julian. Yes. I gotta, which, I, I'm not wild about that. Uh, I don't think it's the whole. I don't think it's the best uh, decision a general manager can make. Um, if it was the right move. I mean, is Ducharme the right head coach, though? They're going in the right direction. They're going but, in the right direction. But are, is it simply. Anyways, yeah. we'll talk about that later. Mark yeah. Messier award. There's no finalists announced. Mark Messier just hands it to whoever he wants. Oh, um, okay. No Calder Trophy. Um, are there any actual surprises on this list? I think Jason Robertson is a bit of a surprise because he didn't. I don't think he started the season strong. I mean, Kirill uh, Kaprizov was like from the get from the jump. The guy. Yes. Nadelkovic didn't start the season at all. It was Morazic and Reimer. And then Morazic goes and gets hurt like first weekend. And they bring up Nedeljkovic uh, to back up. And, and then they went, oh, we can't send this kid back down again. What are we going to do? Going to so, have to play him. <laughs> yeah. I think Jason Robertson might be the surprise name on the list, but he did have a really good season for Dallas on a bad team. A, a pretty terrible team. Uh, well, um, I, I guess the injuries are what they're going to say. Well, there were the injuries. There were the there was the compression due to uh, the pandemic. Oh, they had so many games that they yeah so many games missed and suspended and or postponed. So twenty three games for <clears throat> for Nadelkovich, which is only one less than a certain elite goaltender we'll get to later. Uh, 932 save percentage, 190 goals Goals against against average. average. (laughs) And then in the playoffs, nine playoff games, Mm -hmm. 920 save percentage, Uh and a 217 as a rookie. And Uh which isn't supposed to count for the award, by the way. Which isn't supposed to count for the award. The voting's, uh, I believe, done a couple of weeks before the playoffs start. But and he's considered an undersized goalie at six feet. So, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, Halak is five ten, five eleven, something like that. Halak is 15 years older than he is. But yeah, yeah. you say Saros is 
even shorter than that. I think Yusso Saros is like five nine or five ten or something. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, and six feet undersized. Hart Memorial Trophy, uh, non surprises everywhere. <laughs> it's a points race. We all know it's a points race. Yes. I don't want to talk about it. Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, get, ha, take your victory lap, whichever. It's going to be Connor. It, it's just sad that the MVP comes down to how many points you have. And I love Nathan McKinnon, but. All three of these guys are really, really, really good, at least in the regular season. Yes. Um, Nathan McKinnon, probably the best playoff performer of the three. Yes. But not, he's still not spectacular in the playoffs. He's the only center on this list. Although Austin Matthews every now and again. Yeah. Lines up in the position of center, but he plays a wing. That's not. Uh, my favorite award, which seems to be swinging back towards center. Finally, um, James Norris Memorial Trophy for best defenseman um, surprise. OK, I'm not actually surprised, but I'm somewhat surprised. Youth is um, served here. Youth, the youth is the youth element is the real surprise because you have Kale McCarr and Adam Fox who are under 23 years of age mm-hmm. and you have the virtual gray beard. Uh, Victor Hedman, who I believe is, oh gosh, a crusty 30 years old. Uh, <laughs> wow. He's been uh, around for a few years, yeah. You know, if they were going to have an award show, you know, the, he'd probably be sitting uh, next to the two talking about when I was your age. <laughs> oh, he's you know, one of those. I walked uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> I had to turn a hand crank to sharpen my skates. Yeah. Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, and as I said pre-show, both of them played college here in Massachusetts. <laughs> it it will not surprise me if it goes to Hedman, but Adam Fox might be the most deserving in this kit in this one. Look at the rest of the defense on either team. Yes, Victor, team Victor Hedman has Victor Hedman has strong defense. Strong defensive listed players around you. I mean, you got Sergeyev, yes. you got Cernak, you've got Ryan McDonough, you've got. I, I mean, they've got a solid defense core there. Whereas Kale McCarr and Adam They're Fox, solid defense in 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 Colorado. Colorado. Okay, but they're more of an offensive defense than either of the other two. Yes, they do unleash. Uh, especially Makar. Makar's probably allowed to uh, unleash an attack whenever he feels the need. Uh, but yeah, Sam Girard, uh, offensively minded. Devin Tay's not so much. Devin Tay is more of a two way. They got him from the island mm-hmm. uh, to strengthen their defense. I mean, yeah, their defense is stronger. Fox is, although. They've got a lot of young defense in, in New York. K. Andre Miller. Their Fox's defenses. Is part, Fox's partner, Ryan Lindgren. Yep. I mean, you're talking young, young, young. And. Yeah, and there's then, just not oh. much experience left on that team. He's had to be the guy 
and done a really, really slick job of it. It would be a slight surprise to me if he were to get it. Absolutely. Um, the Ted Lindsay Award for theoretically not just a points raise, but uh, also a who does the marketing team like best? I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm not supposed to put it that way. Um, oh, did you get a call from uh, Mr. Batman and, and, and he told you not to? Refer to it as a marketing ploy. I mean, yeah, I, I was I was fined uh, fifty thousand dollars for speaking the truth again, <laughs> or twenty five thousand dollars. I'm sorry, there you go. I, I apologize. Yeah, um, uh, most outstanding player, um, and you know it's yeah Sidney Crosby who is, um, where was he in the points race? Not in the top three. I don't think he was in the top 23. Just. I'm pretty sure some no, guy in he Boston. Was not. I'm pretty sure some guy in Boston we just talked about was ahead of him. Yes. And that person was nominated for an award for the <clears throat> 10th year in a row. Um, and the outlier on this list. Uh, no, I was talking about he? the guy who wasn't nominated, his teammate, Mr. Marshawn. Uh, Brad Marchand could easily have been here. He was yes. eighth in scoring. That's my oh, no, point. wait a minute. I'm sorry. I have the playoff scoring up, not the regular season. Um, oh, wait, what did Sidney Crosby do in the playoffs? Oh, wait. He went out in the first round. Uh, Brad Marchand was third in scoring in the regular season. Exactly. Sidney and Crosby was, uh, was 10th. And wait, not here in the Lindsay Award. Not here in the Hart Trophy Award. No, Brad's getting a Brad's getting a little hosed this season. Uh, a lot hosed. Sixty nine yeah. points in fifty three games. One point three points per game. Filled literally every category on the general uh, on the general summary for uh, for players. Um, eighteen fifty-five a night in ice time. Five game-winning goals, overtime goals, seven shorthanded points, including four shorthanded goals, oh. <laughs> eighteen power play goals. Um, it just and a plus ter- twenty-six. He's, he's terrible. He's terrible. I, I I understand why they didn't nominate him for anything. He's terrible. Awful. Just the worst. And then we've got the second of the awards that he can't be nominated for. Yes, uh, the Vesna Award, uh, Mark Andre for best goaltender, Mark Andre Fleury, the surprise in Philip Grubauer, and Andre Vasilevsky. Honestly, this award used to be as badly a uh, a geriatric award as the Norris Trophy, um, and the fact that Philip Grubauer is nominated um, is refreshing. Because A, he deserves it. Yes. And B, I don't recall him ever being nominated for any award before, even though if you look back at, well, the 16-17 season was, uh, he play, he didn't play all that many games, but it, he had a great season this year. Is that the year that, is that the year Washington won the cup over Vegas? 16-17. And he, I believe, it might have been. 
Because that and was he, the year uh, Opie was absolutely rubbish in the regular season. I'm talking like goals against over three, save percentage hovering around 90, maybe. And Philip Grubauer was like the the brick wall. But then when they got to the playoffs, the first two playoff games, Grubauer struggled. Holtby comes back in and suddenly turns into the Holtby of old and they win the Stanley Cup. Uh, and this is just another example of how far the German hockey machine has come. Because, yeah, Philip Grubauer, born in Rosenheim. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have, you know, Leon Dreisaitl uh, at the top of the league right now. Um, Got a good young rookie in Tim Stutzla. And there he goes. Good young rookie Tim Stutzla up there in Ottawa. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had one of. We had one of uh, one of the many hard hitting Germans back in the day. And yeah, there was uh, Dennis Seidenberg was yeah. here for a while. And going back a little further, you had uh, Marco right. Sturm. He was possibly the only German in the league a couple of those couple of the years he was here. And still isn't a head coach. Still isn't a head coach. An uh, argument for another day. An argument. <laughs> um. I I got to lean towards Vasilevsky getting this one. Um, I think they're going to end up giving it to him. <laughs> if for no other reason than I think it was the best division in the league this year. Yes. Um, And I think that's what makes all of these awards harder. You didn't see any cross division play until the playoffs. Grubauer's numbers this season, 40 games played, 30 wins. 39 and one um, 922 save percentage 1.95 goals against seven shutouts. I mean, you have to at least stop and think before you mark off your ballot. I know that the ballots are balloting's already been done, but it, you got to. Those are numbers worth consideration. I mean, the 922 might be a little on the low side. But, but seven shutouts is <laughs> the seven <laughs> shutouts led the league this year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard not, it would not, it's hard not to give it to Vasilevsky simply because he's been so good two, three years in a row, but yeah, Grubauer won at those years. I mean, my question uh, one of the one of the deciding factors for me, um, or two, a couple of the deciding factors. Yes, I would say that the central division, which mostly wasn't very central, um, was probably the hardest division. Mm-hmm. But Vasilevsky also has the best defense in front of him of any of the three nominees. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think Vegas is, is pretty very good. Is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for Grubauer of these three guys, he has the least defensively a sound defense in front of him. I mean, you look at, you look at Vasilevsky's numbers. He played two more games, 
he was 31, 10, and 1. He had a 925 save percentage, a hair higher than Rubauer, but his goals against was a 2.21 and only had five shutouts. I mean, it, it, comparable. Not if you want to say comparable numbers, that's fine. But then, yes, you have to stop and look at the defense in front of each of these guys, and you have to say that Hedman is a nominee uh, as well. Is you know, okay, you've got a Norris Trophy winner in front of you, and the rest of the defense core there is pretty good. So, yeah. And yet, you, I don't know. Hey, you can go back and forth on this one. It's like 50-50 or 6-5 and pick them or whatever colloquialism you want to use. But I think for me, it would. It, I think it should go to Grubauer. I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Um, do we want to – let's ease into the postmortem. <laughs> Uh, and start with some of the stuff that sort of circles. Or actually, while we're still talking about goalies, mm-hmm. Mark Andre Fleury, uh, as of Wednesday, yes, fourth all time on the postseason wins list for a goaltender. You know, we've given him a lot of oh, in his first, the- <laughs> but in his first four seasons, oh, he was he deserved. Every truckload of it and more. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he he would let in a goal, and, and you could was, almost guarantee two of the next three shots were going in. Yes, without a doubt. And he's changed that again, whether, without a doubt. <laughs> with whether he's had the help of goaltending coaches or sports psychologists or whatever else has been used. He still made the changes, and he kept the changes, and it, that's impressive. If he wins the next round, he will pass Ed Belfour. Eddie the Eagle. There we go. That's correct. Um, oh, yes, and uh, one other person was suggested as, if not a Selkie candidate, then uh, a, a – a potential bottom six forward uh, for checking award of some sort. And that's Zach Aston Reese. Um, this was tweeted by J fresh hockey on June 6th. Um, I'm not a hundred percent behind it, but it's an interesting thought exercise. Um, his wins over replacement is 75%. EV offensive, so offensive. I believe that's offensive zone starts. Um, it's got a small cap hit. Uh, penalty kill percentage, 59%. You can look at the stats and the argument. Um, the data, the player data is pulled from top down hockey uh, by J Fresh Hockey. Um, I. It's an interesting thought. I wish Zach Aston Reese could actually stay healthy for a whole season. Like then I, I could might be able to evaluate the, him. I think that's part of the argument is that he he seems to be I don't know if it's injury prone or just 
Uh, it, but his numbers, I don't know. I, I, I'm not ready to nominate the guy yet. He's got really good numbers for, yes, a bottom six forward, and that's where he plays for, for Pittsburgh. But I'm not ready to to, yeah. to suddenly anoint him or, or vault him into the conversation. I liked him. He played he, again. He played here in the Northeast as well. I mean, we got to see him play in. He was at North, at, here at Northeastern uh, yeah. four years, uh, and his last year made gave you a little bit of hope for uh, uh, his NHL career. He had. 31 goals in 38 games, um, which for those doing the math at home was very nearly the total of his first three seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, he had 27. It's 30, an interesting thought, though. I mean, to see somebody. He had 35 goals in his first three seasons combined and 31, 31 in, his, in his senior year. Wow. That's, that's just a great year. I mean, it it, imp- it tells you how it tells you how much more ice time he was getting um, as a senior. But uh, beyond that, it's it's a little tough to say. And now, before we start completely tearing into the Boston Bruins uh, as part of their postmortem, and yes. there is a lot to get into. Um. Most of you who follow me on Twitter noticed that I talked about Rask not looking right and not being healthy enough to be in in net for like the final three games of the series. He didn't look right. He didn't look right in the Washington series. Uh, he was not moving properly. Not after the second playoff game, he wasn't. He was not tracking correctly. Um, and... The book on Tuka Rask since early, early, early in his career has been if he's playing deep in the net or high above the net, his confidence in is not where it needs to be. And he spent the entire second round playing deep in the net, even the games he played well. Now, here's the thing. I don't I'm not going to blame Duke Rask for the loss in this series. And I haven't. There were a couple of goals that he should not have let in, but they were not goals that you can blame on his inability to move the hips and feet and legs. Um they were goals where he just flat out failed to smother a puck. Failed to catch either one. Yeah. I am going to blame Bruce Cassidy and Don Sweeney and Camp Neely because game five or after game five, Cassidy said there was maintenance to be done, but he could have been put back in. That was after Brask allowed shots, uh, allowed goals on consecutive shots and had looked terrible and the Bruins were being pummeled. And they put uh, Swayman in finally when the score was out of reach. Yes. Um, and then they go back to him for game six. When everybody 
who's anybody on Twitter. Well, that would be us. We are everybody who's anybody. But even guys like Haggerty were like, okay, need to- when Haggerty and uh, Jimmy Murphy are saying that Rask doesn't look right. Yes. And not and not going out of their way to defend him from everything, even legitimate criticism, you know there's an issue. And they were they were neither one of them liked the fact that he was in there. Period. No. Uh, so this is a this is clearly a failure of management. And by management, I mean everyone above the player level. If Cassidy didn't have the comfort level uh, or authority to make the call, that's on Sweeney and Neely. If Cassidy had the authority but didn't have the uh, testicular fortitude, that's on A, Cassidy for not making the call. And then B. Sweeney and Neely for not making him make the call. But they're going to say they allow their head coach to make the calls on the ice or at the ice level. Which comes down to their judgment. And Don Sweeney's judgment is something we're going to examine right now. (laughs) Drafting, Drafting is a little bit subjective. Because you can only draft who's available, and that's you, there's not you, something you can there's not a lot you can do about that. Well, some would say they, that you also rely more on other people in drafting. Like you got the scouts who give you the feedback, who give, you know, give you the reports on. But okay, but uh, when it comes to when it comes to trades, that's about you. Yeah. And we are going to go over the trade history of one <laughs> Don Sweeney, hashtag Sweenius, who has been the Bruins general manager for six years and 24 days. Uh-huh. Going back to what may well be his. OK, so he was appointed GM May 20th, 2015. Prior to that, he had been the assistant GM for a couple of years. So he'd already been years. around. He'd already he'd been, been around, around the organization. He knew, okay. he knew everyone. Um, June 26th, a month and a couple of days into his tenure, out the door goes one Dougie Hamilton for a first-round pick uh, that turned into the 15th pick for Calgary, from Calgary in 2015. Make Zach, a note of that pick. Zach Senishin? Um, and that, yes, it was Zach Senishin, uh, second round pick, uh, Jacob, uh, for Jakob for Carlson. Uh, huh. Um, and then a second round pick, Jeremy Lozon. Okay. He still plays with the team. Lozon as a second round pick is reasonable. He's a reasonable hit. He's not okay. great. He's not good. He's reasonable. Okay. His next trade also the same day. He traded out Milan Lucic and brought in Martin Jones, Colin Miller, and the pick that would become Jakob Zaborl. So we traded out a 30-goal scorer, physical machine, Mr. Intimidation, 
guy who loved the Bruins and was part of the cup winning core. Uh-huh. And we got back Colin Miller, who was terrible from the word go. Martin Jones, who they immediately flipped uh, or nearly immediately flipped for Sean he Corelli. Was, he was, I was going to say he was a Bruin for a week. <laughs> uh, four days, actually. It was July, June 26th to June 30th. Oh, OK. Um, his next trade was trading out uh, a fifth round pick for a fifth round pick with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Minnesota Wild turned that into <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov, <laughs> and Boston got Cameron Clark. Cam who? Yes. Um, the other guy's like up the for first name. The other guy's up for like Rookie of the Year or some some foolish award like that. Uh, really is he? I, I hadn't heard of him. Um. Just, I Cameron Clark, by the way, is an unsigned right defenseman. Um, yes, they, uh, he was playing for the Wichita Thunder last oh, year. Oh, good. Um, 71 games, 23 points uh, in the regular season, and then one playoff point. Um, so the the next amazing uh, trade on the on the uh, docket here. Zach Ronaldo acquired, um, and we we all remember him as Meathead Supreme um, before <laughs> before Tom Wilson took the title. Uh, if uh, I'm not mistaken, he actually um, patcheredied himself at the development camp. Uh, he may well have, uh, and Kirill <laughs> Ustamenko was the goaltender that Philly picked up with that pick. Um, he has yet to play in the NHL. I suspect he might not. Um, but he is at least signed. Uh, he is signed out of the. He is signed. And that's more than anyone can say for Zach Ronaldo. Um, as we mentioned, <laughs> Martin Jones shipped out. Um, this is one of the probable wins for him. Yeah, I, there's I only a couple of them. So I did probably. say pre-show. There's like three. Uh, Martin Jones flipped after four days' tenure on the on the uh, on the roster. Um, I'm sure they gave him a nice watch and maybe a coat. Um, oh yeah. And in return, they got back t- a 2016 first-round pick that they used for Trent Frederick, and they got back Sean Corrali, who was at that point a free agent. Um, so they essentially traded a starting goaltender for a late first round pick and a dude who they kind of had rights to for a day before free agency started. Um, and then of course there was the cap clear cap clearing move to, uh, get Savard's money off the boards, uh, and move Riley Smith in exchange for the sensational Jimmy Hayes. Unfortunately, this is not the Jimmy Hayes who was the pro wrestler and would have provided some excitement to the roster. This was Jimmy Hayes from Dorchester who went to BC, if I'm not mistaken, who uh, is most famous for being related to that other Hayes in the NHL. He plays in Philadelphia and actually scores goals and looks like a hockey player. Yes. Uh, that was that was clearly not one of his wins. <laughs> then 
one of my very favorite trades. Very favorite. Here we go. Anthony Kamara, who was oh, that's the one who's pat. That's the one who who nearly killed himself at uh, development camp. That's the one. Yes. Uh, Was sent out along with a third round pick for Jack LaFontaine, or that turned into Jack LaFontaine, and a fifth round pick that turned into Jack Dugan. Um, Jack Dugan now playing for the Knights, uh, or in the Knights organization, after completing two years over at Providence College. Um, And then Jack LaFontaine is a goaltender, still in the Carolina system. Uh, Looks like he's completed three years uh, at University of Minnesota. Okay. Um, The Bruins then spent two draft picks, uh, including a second-round pick in 17 and a a fourth-round pick in 2016, one of these guys playing in the NHL still, Evan Cormier, um, for Lee Stepniak, who they would re-sign the next season um, and have in training camp the season after that for reasons that baffle me. Lee Stepniak's well-traveled. Um, they, they then traded uh, away Zach Phillips for future considerations. Uh, I have not seen future considerations on the roster at any point. Um, yes, they also but have traded- you seen Zach Phillips on the roster either? I think Zach Phillips has probably actually gotten into, uh, let's see, Zach Phillips. uh, No, he has not done anything useful um, since leaving here. Uh, He's looks like he's been in Europe the last uh, year and a half. How much of that is the pandemic and how much is that is him? Uh, Not so sure. But he's played he's played more hockey than future considerations has. He has indeed played more hockey than future considerations. Okay, just checking. Um, next up is they swapped uh, seventh round picks. One they got theirs, uh, Victor Berglund, and then Benjamin Finkelstein was Florida's. Nobody cares. Um, they acquired Drew Stafford for reasons that baffle everyone who knows hockey. Um, we're going to get there eventually. And, Ooh, that's not what I meant to do. Um, um, Drew Stafford, who let's see, didn't he come in and do almost nothing in the playoffs that year for Boston? Yeah. No, it was, he, yes, he had two goals in six games was a minus two and took, Two penalty minutes. Uh, He then went on to New Jersey to never play in the playoffs again and eventually retire. Yes. And all. Let's see. Ah, yeah, we're getting there. Um, Nick Holden was traded, was acquired for Rob O'Gara and third round and a third round pick that turned into Joey Keene. Yeah. Um, how many uh, how many playoff games has uh, Nick Holden played for the Boston Bruins? Is I, that number zero? I think so. Unless I believe that a, number is zero. Yeah. I mean, that was a trade deadline deal. You would have thought that they were acquiring him for 
a playoff run and to get to the playoffs. But then wasn't he, I think he was hurt or something and never actually played in the playoffs with the Bruins. Something like that. That sounds uh, approximately correct. Um, nope. Wait a minute. He played in two playoff games and picked up an assist. Isn't that? Oh, okay. There you go. The next deal was trading. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Frankie v. Frank the Tank for uh, a pick that turned into Jacob Blocko, who lasted almost a summer. Oh no, he's still with the system. He's still with you. He's still not, He's still in Providence, if I'm not mistaken. Good uh, hands. Although, really good after, hands, if I remember. After three plus years, he still hasn't cracked the NHL, and still only right. has. Um, he still played just 23 games in the AHL. Uh, no, he played 23 last year and 22 the year before. Um. Not particularly great numbers, although not also also not terrible. Uh, this most recent season, 19 points uh, with only five goals in 23 games. Um, you can right. sort of provisionally put that one. Nope, you can't. You can't put that one in as a win because Frank Vitrano has scored like 20 plus goals a couple of times. Frank Vitrano is the is the guy who hasn't met a shot he didn't like. First of all, uh, it. You don't have to tell you don't have to tell him what shoot you have to tell yeah Duclair. You do yeah. not have to ever use the word shoot the puck with Frank Vitrano. Didn't he? I mean, I think we did the math at one point, and he had a shots per minute similar to Alex Ovechkin, who was also yeah. never met a shot he didn't like. Um, Frankie was averaging like five or six shots a game. It was like really Vitrano. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My thing is that that was a deadline deal, February 22nd. It was a deadline deal. Were we just trying to get – because you're not cutting salary at that point, and we only got a pick, so it wasn't us. Were we sellers in 18? I – well – Were the Panthers fighting for a playoff spot in 18? I I don't understand the move. Yeah, yeah. We are not equipped uh, equipped to understand the sweeness of the Boston Bruins general manager. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm questioning that. Okay. So then comes the oh, most God. momentous trade of the Sweeney era. This is, this is definitely a win. The Bruins acquired with only half the set with half the salary retained the sensational next addition to the Bruins rafters rick nash oh oh i'm sorry when i said win i thought it was the the wingles deal but okay go ahead um so rick nash who who came to boston and let's see uh in 11 playoff a regular 11 regular season games he had six points and was a minus four Mm -hmm. and then in 12 playoff games he had five points and was a minus seven and uncharacteristically picked up 10 penalty minutes in those 12 games, likely costing the Bruins a game or two, because why not? Uh, in exchange, going out of that was even if you completely discount Ryan Lindgren, even if you completely discount Ryan Lindgren. Jakob Bernard Docker, who is admittedly with the Ottawa Senators now, 
has gotten into five NHL games. That yeah, was this year. Played for the the Canadian national team. Um, the World Championships. Massimo Rizzo, who is still on the Canadian, uh, is on the Carolina reserve list, um, and is still actually fairly young because he played in the BCHL last year. Uh, he's just twenty. Okay. Matt Belesky, uh, who is currently unsigned, just like Rick Nash. Um, Rick Nash is retired, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, he is. Um, but after after making it to New York, um, he played five games there. Um, Cameron Clark, he was not part of that trade. No, but Ryan Spooner was. Uh, Ryan Spooner was. Um, Ryan Spooner played 20 games for the Rangers that year and had 16 points. Um, was so, only a so minus he had, four. So he had more points than Rick Nash. More points than Rick Nash. Okay. And that's that out the window. And then uh, there's some guy named Ryan Lindgren who maybe <sighs> maybe one of the guys on this show might have said, you know, they really shouldn't be trading that guy. I think two guys on this show said that. <laughs> um, so eighteen nineteen season went over to New York and played five games. He's only like a top pairing defenseman for the Rangers now. Um, played sixty games in the shortened season last year, mm-hmm. and played how many? Uh, fifty one games yeah. out of fifty six this year. Um, and as a defenseman. In two of the seasons for them, two shortened seasons, by the way, uh, has more points in both of those seasons than than Rick Nash. And will likely continue to play for the New York Rangers for the next 10 or 12 years. As or at least somewhere else. Next to, as a top pairing next to defenseman next to Norris Trophy nominee Adam Fox. Yes. It, OK, then. <laughs> Um, the Tommy Wingles trade, a trade that Chris <coughs> was ridiculously excited about. Yeah. This is February 26th of 2018. He also didn't give up. He didn't give up anything useful for it. Yeah. But where was Wingles the next year? Not in Boston. Yes. He was playing in the Swiss League. Yes. Um, but still, still a top five trade for our local Sweeneys. Yeah, you still have to put that one in a win, I guess, in a win, because Sorella still isn't played in the NHL. Wingles at least came here and gave a little bit of a spark to the to the fans, if nothing else. So it, it it's like the fourth out of four or the fifth out of five. But And the next still, trade is actually probably somehow in the top five as well, which says more about the rest of the trades than, you know, itself. He acquired Steve Camper, a fourth-round pick, and a seventh round pick who respectively turned into Cade Weber and Jacob and Jake Schmaltz um, in exchange for Adam McQuaid, who was playing, but broken at that point. Um, 
Steve Camper has, when needed, been a better than seventh defenseman, seventh defenseman, um, even when fairly rusty. Um, Jake Schmaltz has not yet achieved NHL status. Um, He played in the USHL the last two years. He's 20 years old. But, uh, I mean, Jake Schmaltz, as a center, which the Bruins desperately need, although he's undersized at 165 pounds. They desperately need undersized centers. In the USHL this year, 51 games, 19 goals, 34 assists, um, plus 30, and then uh, one just one assist in their in two playoff games. But that one potentially has arguably more upside that we have yet to see. Cade Weber is already gone to Carolina. Carolina, and he's playing um, at Boston University, where likely he'll be at least another year. Um, Paul Carey for Cody Golubev. Uh, is this a trade that anyone cared about other than their agents and maybe their spouses who probably had to do the packing? Well, Cody played two. He played 24 games this season. No, wait, last season. He's played 29 he, games for for the for Ottawa since the trade. Yeah, this season he spent all the he spent the whole time in Belleville for the Belleville Senators. But he's uh, played in the NHL <laughs> uh, versus Paul Carey, who has uh, also played in the NHL. Yes. No, this is a wash. <laughs> Again, not a trade that anyone found interesting. Yes. He picked up Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato and the Cade Weber uh, pick. Um, Ryan Donato wasn't working here and I believe is on to his third NHL team already. Well, he's in St. He's in San, um, San Jose, San Jose yeah. now. Yeah. That's, uh, not a good sign for, uh, Teddy's boy. No. Although his numbers out in San Jose indicate he might've, uh, plucked his, uh, head from his backside. Uh, Getting moved around that much, at some point you have to stop and take notice that something's wrong. No, you don't. It's just very, very good if you do. Oh, okay. Marcus Johansson out, and no, uh, in exchange for yeah. a or Marcus Johansson in in exchange for a second round and a fourth round that became Nikita. I can't even pronounce that name. Yeah, I don't. I oh, looked at it. I'm not trying. Okudyuk, Okudyuk, and Ethan Edwards. Um, I'm too soon to evaluate those two guys, uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, it's only been the, they were the 19 and 20 draft. Um, yeah, no, Russian. I, neither one of these guys has played in the NHL. I mean, and the second one there, the Ethan Edwards isn't even signed anywhere as a prospect without anything. Um, at least Nikita Okatuk is in the New Jersey organization. Uh, so I guess by virtue of the fact that those two guys aren't playing anywhere, that has to be considered a, a low, a low level win as well. Marcus did okay here. 
he was he was an overachieving third liner who ended up on the on the second line for a while. Um, and then the Bruins acquired Andre Kasha for David Backus, Axel Anderson, and a pick that turned into Jacob Peralt. Um, that's twenty twenty pick. Axel Anderson. Um, Jacob Peralt is a center. And at 5'11 and 192, um, played 27 games for the San Diego Gulls of the uh, of the AHL. 17 points uh, in that time. Um, might be interesting to see what he does next year. Axel Anderson, uh, not even playing. In, well, no, he played 17 games as well for the A- in the AHL. Um, less horrible numbers than I was expecting. having seen him attempt to skate. Um, that was a very funny development camp, by the way. Uh, Danton Heinen swapped out for Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie turned into the seventh player award winner this year. Um, and then went flop in the playoffs for the Do most part. Consider that a win though. No, because there's like lot? five or six years of age between these two. Okay. And Danton Heinen is clearly a much faster player. Uh, Danton Heinen's only 25. Actually, Nick Ritchie's 25. Huh. Um, I I think that it's a very minor loss because Nick Ritchie is barely fast enough to be in the NHL and really not fast enough to be top six. Okay. Um, seventh round pick swap for with Toronto for reasons that baffle um, Ryan Tverberg uh, was picked up by the. He's uh, a UConn. Yes. <laughs> by the Leafs um, where he can watch them fall every spring. Uh, and then we're into this. And then we're into this trade deadline. Um, Mike Riley for a third round pick. Riley still has 10 year left. We'll call that a win. Does he have tenure? I thought he was a free agent. Uh, it was either him or Lazar that had time left. Lazar's got Lazar's got tenure. Lazar's got term on his contract. He's got another He's got year. Th- okay. Paul um, and Riley are both free agents. I, I honestly, I'm still willing to call this a reasonable pick. I mean, his salary was 1.5. He did. I think he did well uh, in the time he was here. Um, 15 games, eight points plus seven for the regular season, um, four points in 11 games and, uh, for the regular, uh, for the postseason plus three. Uh, but the biggest trade of his career is also quite frankly, robbery based on results. <laughs> yeah. Barring whatever happens with the second round pick. Uh, that went out with Andres Bjork in exchange for Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall. Yes, but um, the, 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 the theft is the fact that there was no first-round pick involved and they managed to get Buffalo to retain 50% of Taylor Hall's salary. <laughs> um, I mean, Bjork went to... Bjork went to Buffalo and had his most productive, probably, stretch of play... Uh, in a long time, he had six points in 15 games. 
his previous career high was last year with 19 points in 58 games. Um, it's probably still going to be a long time before Anders Bjork plays a playoff game again. Yeah. Um, but Curtis Lazar, that year left. Taylor Hall, if he can be retained for a reasonable amount of money. But overall, based purely on trading, forget the drafts, forget free agent signings to date. On A to F, where are you rating Don Sweeney? The whole body of work? Whole body of work. Uh, D plus. You are way too generous. D minus, period. Okay. We both because, got the letter. We both got the letter right. I can't give him an F. <laughs> even even with all of the trades, he never picked up a cup. Exactly. That's very true. The cup was actually under Chiarelli and Claude Julian. So I, I D plus D minus. I mean, at, at some point, I think we're splitting hairs. I I give him a little bit of credit. I mean, Taylor Hall wants to stay here. Taylor yeah. Hall basically said basically said though, <sighs> I'm only going to Boston because there were other deals on the table that he yes, nixed, which he nixed. Not 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 Kevin Adams. No no no, not Kevin Adams. Taylor Hall said, Yeah, no, I don't want to go to Vegas. <laughs> And it's not like Vegas is a bad team. I mean, Vegas is in no way a bad team. I mean, he probably would have played third line minutes in Vegas just based on uh, because you have the Marsha Salt, Riley Smith, William Carlson line. They played together since the team was created. Yes. The second line has been together a while. Second Um, line is Pacioretty, Stone, and I forget who centers them. and, And that line is clearly working. Yes. As much as I'm not a Patches fan, the line clearly works. Um, so, yeah, you're sliding him in on the third line there. I mean, a guy like Alex Tuck, I, I mean, Alex Tuck, I think, is a third line winger. Unless they're moving Patches to center and putting Tuck on the right wing or something. But I think Alex Tuck, who, if you look at their goal scoring, is like up there with the leaders. And he's playing like second, third line minutes. Hello. Yeah. So Taylor Hall nicks that deal. I forget what the other one. He nixed another one to go somewhere else. That was the story had come out. But, yeah, it was Taylor Hall that was actually conducting the deal. Basically, (laughs) Kevin Adams was just the mouthpiece. (laughs) This was this was as a body of work. But, yeah, as a body of work, this is clearly. Not successful. You've traded away more good prospects than you brought in results. Right. And that's all there is to it. Um, okay. So I did have the story about the, yeah. uh, the main Nordiques. Uh, the, the main Nordiques, Nordiques. Uh, for those of you who uh, are paying close attention to hockey happenings in the Northeast, are part of the NAHL, um, 
That's one of the uh, junior hockey leagues, uh, similar to the USHL. It's the North American Hockey League. Um, they entered the playoffs uh, to play for <laughs> the. They're going to play for the Robertson Roberts. Cup. Yes. Which is the championship cup for the North American Hockey League. Uh, they captured the East Division Championship just this past Thursday. That's correct. Uh, this reporting is done by Nathan Fournier. Um, if you're not following him on Twitter, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. My, uh, sadly, I don't know a whole lot about the Maine Nordiques. I will have to delve deeper. And I think we should add them to our... Uh, Hockey East tour for the uh, for the upcoming season. At least get to one NHL team uh, team game. Well, considering we've seen an ECHL hockey game, and well, that was entertaining. The uh, yes. sort of yes, especially when they were hanging refs in in in, in effigy directly behind us. It was. It was an experience. I think they were crying out for blood come third period. (laughs) It it was an experience. Yes. Uh, Uh, Let's see. So congratulations to the Nordiques. Um, Look forward to the playoffs. uh, Look forward to watching, uh, watching them advance. Uh, if you're looking to find out more about uh, the NAHL, it is NAHL.com. Right on their main page is the Robertson Cup Playoff Hub. Um, they do have apps uh, for both uh, Android and Apple. And you can, of course, uh, buy gear. You can buy gear. Oh, well, that's good. You to can know. buy gear. Well, they um, got to generate that revenue somehow. Um, you had mentioned something to me earlier in the week Mm -hmm. and watching, watching the, watching the play of two of the Bruins stars convinced me that even before we heard what was wrong with Tuka Rask, that maybe, maybe. Some of the senior players, and we're just a bit upset about something because Patrice Bergeron had his gloves up in the face of more people than I can think, uh, than anyone else, or than any playoff series I can think of where he didn't actually get into a fight um, in the past Mm -hmm. decade. Okay. David Krejci came very near to getting into a fight uh, in one of the games, or as close as he's come in at least five years. Okay. Do you think maybe? Do you think maybe the two of them, and possibly others, although clearly not Charlie Coyle, um, <laughs> who's from Weymouth, might 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 have been upset with the unwillingness of leadership to make a call on the goaltending or make the right call on the goaltending and put a healthy guy in. 
I think that I think that hockey players are smarter than some would give them credit for. So remember David Krejci, his contract is expired now. mm -hmm. He's 35 years old. Said he's willing to stick around. Patrice Bergeron is 35 years old. Yeah. He has one more season on his, on his contract. I do believe these guys know father time is in the wall is in the locker room, watching them sitting on the bench right next to them. Every single shift, just counting, just counting and taking notes. Mm -hmm. There's not much time left. There's in their careers. Even if each of them plays another 10 years, that's still less time than they've already played. And quite frankly, I don't see it. I very definitely don't see it for David Krejci. Um, his I don't think either one of them is playing another 10 years. And yes, I do believe that they are feeling their hockey mortality. And yeah, I think that there was something to the fact that they were not happy that the healthiest goaltender was not in net. The healthiest goaltender wasn't in net. And clearly, considering he's come out and announced that he's got a torn labrum and he's going to be getting surgery and missing the next six months. So he won't be available until ooh, January, January or February. Um, and that's and available mean in this case means skating again, not not necessarily at playing speed at game. Oh, speed. But, but he's hoping that he's hoping to have discussions on a contract then, too, at the appropriate because. Time. Because you would, of course, wait until he was back and healthy again and not the fact that he's a free agent, you know, under normal circumstances. The question is whether you want him back. Do you trust Bladar? Do you do you go with – do you sign some veteran goaltender to be the backup to Swayman or to kind of split 50-50? Do you bring Halak back? Have we burnt that bridge? Because I think they burnt that bridge. They burnt that bridge. I, I think you might be able to get Hudobin back. Um, You're not getting Hudobin. He's under contract with. Oh, that's right. He did sign a longer term contract. He signed a three year deal with Dallas. Um, but and let's let's be honest and look at the fact that of the guys who were actually available to the Boston Bruins uh, in the playoffs this year, not one of them. Not a single guy who started the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the guy who only played one game of that second round or two games of that second round, Brandon Carlo has more than 300 NHL games or even as many as 300 NHL games. Both, uh, both, uh, McAvoy and Grizzlick are at 234 and 235. Mm-hmm. Mike Riley is at 259 and this was his first taste of the playoffs. And he's probably not coming back anywhere because he's probably priced himself out of the Bruins market or the Bruins price range. Um, Patrice Bergeron, as arguably the best defensive forward the league has ever seen, and inarguably the best defensive forward of his generation— um, knows what a good defense looks like. Yes. 
he knows what a cup-winning defense looks like. Having been there, done that. Uh, and having played against a couple of them, too. Um, yeah. Can you convince yourself that at any point this year, he looked at the guys, some of them who have very promising careers in front of them still, and said, that's enough to get it done? No. Same question for David Krejci, who no. has <laughs> led the playoffs twice in scoring and been around about the same number of games as Mr. Bergeron, a few less accolades, but a bigger salary um, mm-hmm. than Mr. Than Bergeron. Uh, can you can you look at him and based on what you know and say, yes, he believed at any point during this year that that. That defensive group was going to be enough to bolster the team to a Stanley Cup. Uh, the answer to that is to the public, they would both say, yes, they believe so. In their heart of hearts, no. They looked up, saw Jakob Zaboro, Noah, uh, maybe five NHL games. They saw Jeremy Lozon and went, well, he was okay last year, but. He hasn't played a full season yet. They looked up and went, Chara is not here. And whether you believe that Chara is a step slow, and yeah, he looked slow last summer. And I, I actually made the comment went and, and tweeted it out and talked about it on the show that he looked slow. His thing was that he had such reach and his hockey sense, his hockey IQ is such that he could make up for the fact that he wasn't a fast skater because he was never a fast skater, but he just looked slow. But they looked up, saw no Chara, Zaboro, five games, Lozon, not a full season. I think they, I think most of their trust was in, okay, they got Grizzlick and, well, McAvoy and Carlo. And, Carlo. and, and Kevin no, Miller no one, was coming. Kevin Miller was coming back, but hadn't played in a year and a half, two years. So yeah, yeah I can't imagine that they looked up and went, "Yep, this is a Stanley Cup winning D." There's just too many holes, too many questions. I would have asked it. I did ask it. Yes, both of us. Did they look? Did they look a whole lot better when they made those trades at the deadline? Yes. Yes. Because without those trades, one, I'm not sure they make it into the playoffs because their schedule was so dense at the end of the year that without healthy guys and the shot of adrenaline that any successful trade gives you, Mm -hmm. I don't think they make the playoffs, period. If they had brought in just the two forwards. It was sketchy at best at the time that at the time of the deadline, it was sketchy whether they were going to make it in. Yeah, at the, if they had just brought in Hall and uh, Lazar, they probably make the playoffs. But I'm not convinced they make it out of the first round. No, and there was and and there was the whole conspiracy. Speaking of conspiracy, the whole conspiracy theory that the Bruins went specifically after Chara's side of the ice because of his slow play and his. And and the fact that the Bruins knew knew his game better than anybody, so there was all sorts of conjecture that 
they were going they were specifically attacking on his side of the ice I uh, don't know whether it's true having watched the games I, I can't say that they specifically attacked on that side so I don't know if it's accurate or not but I just it, yeah they they were healthy enough to make it into the playoffs Lazar gets hurt Car, uh, Carlo gets hurt I mean they they had no defense when they went down you had no Carlo you had um you were relying basically on McAvoy and Grizzlick and Mike Riley. And I said, I tweeted about this uh, as they were sliding off of the uh, sliding out of the postseason. We don't know what Jeremy Lozon or Connor Clifton are going to look like at the 300 game mark. Honestly, we don't even know what Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy are going to look like at the 300 game mark. There are too many variables. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Mike Riley is still going to be here. So the straight up conspiracy theory was what? Maybe the, the anger on ice was as much frustration at the front office. Yes. <laughs> and the guy behind the bench as it was at the actual situation. I would be inclined to agree. Because you said (laughs) these two guys had to see this coming. Well, yeah. You said there's no way that those two guys, experienced as they are, knowledgeable as they are, cerebral as they are, could look at that roster and say, that's a cup-winning defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... Now, the question is, given what we knew of uh, Tuka Rask's health, and I do not blame him for for falling apart physically this time. Um, I think he was never physically together, and that part of the reason for that, and that's part of the reason he only played about 40% of the regular season games. Um, the team leadership and I don't care whether that's the coaching staff and the general manager, the club president, whoever should have said, look, he's not healthy. If Halak isn't doing it and the, one of the young guys is, we need to ride him until he can't, until he can't play until we're convinced he cannot do it. Maybe, they get out of the second round with with Swayman in there for the last two games and not Rask. Because you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that you think in game five that Tuka Rask was an effective goaltender. However bad some of the defensive play was and the penalty kill was, those pucks were stoppable. Many of those pucks were stoppable. For a healthy goaltender. Well, Cassidy's... For a healthy goaltender. Cassidy's explanation as to why... Oh, yeah, he was taken out of... Yeah, he was... Yeah, okay, no, sorry. You took him out because he was awful. And, oh, wait, he was awful because he was hurt. He was deep in the net. You made the... You tweeted out. You texted me about it. You know, he's playing way too deep in his net. And that, like you said, is a sign of he's having some kind of issue. Uh, goals were going in 
they, they were shooting high glove and he wasn't catching up to them. He wasn't catching up to anything because he wasn't tracking the puck because he couldn't physically move to do so. No, and if you watch the third period of game five when Swayman come in, the goal that was scored against him wasn't his fault. The defense hung him out to dry. Brock Nelson's coming in on a two-on half a one, I think. Uh, blows it by him. You know, cold goaltender just come in the game. Okay. Yep. Watch the rest of the period, tracking the puck, making good saves, doing what he did during the regular season. Swayman he gave them a chance. Yeah. Um. So here's here's my question: If you're the owner, mm-hmm. and you care more about getting at least a round of playoff. And you and you care at as much about actually winning as you do about getting the playoff date home dates. What decision would you make? I've been asked this by a bunch of people, and my 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 number one answer is always this: GM's got to go first. You want to blame the coach, but GM's got to go first because GM A is going to pick his own coach. So I think that. By getting rid of one, you possibly get rid of both. And uh, I don't know if I don't know if if Neely's name and being in the Raptors because Sweeney's not in the Raptors. Yes, he played alongside Bork and Ray Bork yeah. for the bulk of his career. Um. Sweeney's not in the Raptors. Good, good, good defenseman, stay-at-home defenseman. Eh, slightly a two-way defenseman, but I'd say he's more stay-at-home. Um, but nothing that's going to get him Hall of Fame worthy or anything, notification or anything like that. Neely's name, Neely is Hall of Fame. Neely is in the Raptors. I don't know if it's going to be as easy to get rid of him. But yeah, I think that you need to. I think that if you're Jacobs, you need to seriously consider cleaning house, because Sweeney has not made the deals necessary, and he's traded away some of your top young prospects in the process. And he's drafted poorly. And he's drafted poorly. You've chosen poorly. <laughs> His two draft wins, realistically. Um, and we should probably do the drafting as a separate show because that will take a while too. Yes. Um, but was, I mean, 2015, was that even him? I mean, he, he came in, he came in a month before the draft took place, but he was already assistant GM. So it's not like he wasn't in the loop. As far as what the scouts were looking at, he would be in he would be included in those meetings, in those discussions, those decisions. So I don't think that you can let him off the hook for that. I mean, clear. Okay, running, running really, really, really fast. Just looking at some of the names really quickly and understanding that second, third, anything below the third round. That's. That's a roll of the dice at best. But Charlie McAvoy, that's a win. I will still leave Jake DeBrusque in the win category. Erho Vakaninen, not really. No. 
Um, Dan Vladar, maybe. Um, Ryan Glingren is a double loss because he had him and gave him up. Yep. Um, I don't know. Uh, Like, I, I can't look at his draft history and justify his existence. I mean, oh. Trent. Okay, two clear yeses. Um, Debrusk and McAvoy out of one, two, three, four, six, out of seven. You should be hitting at 50% in first round. Okay, fair enough. Um, in the second round, he's made uh, like six picks and. I don't see it there either. I mean, some of them are still really, really fresh picks. Uh, Studnika is someone he might maybe hit on. Um, Brandon Carlo, definite yes. But for Bakker Carlson, absolute not. Jeremy Lozon um, remains to be seen. I mean, thirty round, third round, that's a third and fourth round. You're probably talking... You should be at 30% wins. I don't see that. uh, I mean, you have Swayman in there, and that's probably a win. And like fifth and sixth round and lower, well, he hasn't had any hits there. So, Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. Even if you call those 10%, uh, 10% of of your picks, I can't justify Sweeney still being there. In any way, shape, or form. No. That's why I said he needs to go first, and I think that by getting rid of him, when you get a new GM, new GM's going to want to bring in his own guy. So potential for the head coach to be gone is... High. High. And that next head coach should be... Oh, you want me to pick a name out of a hat? Um... Just name the guy we both want. (laughs) Barry Trott. (laughs) Uh, Not available. Are you going to bring Claude Julian back? (laughs) That's a possibility, but I was actually thinking John Tortorella. Oh, that would be so much fun. Would he work here? That would be awesome. I was thinking it, but I wasn't sure he'd work here. I don't know. I, I, I think as a short, like, two, three, four year run, yes. Because okay. the core of your roster is going to be gone by then, or old by then. Because, I mean, Marshand is 31 at this point. Um, anyways, we have talked way more than we expected to this week. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we uh, hang up? I thought we covered just about everything. So, <laughs> yeah, we we talked a teeny tiny bit uh, this week. As always, uh, we will be diving into the second round uh, starting today in two and a half hours. Um, we will be uh, we'll be covering the draft, the awards, and uh, free agency, and of course the um, the expansion draft. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Share the show. Um, Hit us up with your questions, comments, 
uh, hate mail and all of the rest. Um, those two at two man You can tweet it to us or you can just go straight to uh, our show on Podbean and comment there. Uh, Chris. I enjoy the second, enjoy the second, uh, enjoy the semifinals. I was going to say second round. Whoa. Enjoy the semifinals. Yeah. I rather forget them too, but uh, can't do it. <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you.